how y'all look good. We've missed y'all while we've been away. Well, we missed you some. Yeah. Some can be a lot. We uh, went on vacation, but, you know, part of what we did was, was not vacation. We had the opportunity to pray for some people and to pray through some businesses. And um, we believe that where we went and with the people that we contacted, we believe that we helped change some lives. And so we're going to trust that into the hands of eternity. Okay? And so um, I want to encourage you that wherever you go, you know, just keep your eyes and ears open to the Lord. We didn't pray for 100 people. Probably didn't pray for 10. But we prayed for the people God put it on our heart to pray for. He opened up doors and lines of communication and specific little details which allowed us to do that. And we believe we were obedient. And so I just want to encourage you that as you go about your daily life, just be open and listen to what God is saying to you. And just when those little doors open, just ask God, you know, what's it about and how you can be of his service and he'll show you and sometimes it doesn't have to be a really dramatic thing it's the smallest little thing that you do that can light up somebody's world and so I just wanted to say that kind of before we got started okay <laughs> y'all there's a it's, it's, it's hard for me this morning to really put into words what I have to say. This is one of those times when I'm going to say something that um, I've never said before. And um, Father, I just I ask you right now to give me something that's on target and a way to explain this that people will understand it and embrace it. And Lord, I want that done if it's you. But if it's me, Lord, um, then let them reject it. <laughs> right off hand so God if this is you and this is what you want I pray dear God that hearts be receptive and open that the word that I'm going to speak will find fertile ground that will literally change lives and literally change the world that we live in the kingdom will be expanded and you'd be blessed in Jesus name amen um how do you begin to explain God and what he does and you know God's got this timeline that extends from eternity to where we are now and it goes right through today into the future that it's in this how, how do you begin to explain how God works and how he operates did you know that's a monumental task and if we're not careful when we're reading the word and when we're when we're searching for its application to our life and when we're, we're asking for revelation if we're not really careful we can misinterpret it or interpret it to suit our own particular needs. And that's not what I want to do with the word. I want, I want to interpret it correctly. I want it to, to, you know, I, I want it to bless me, but I, I don't want it to suit my particular needs. I want it to suit the need and purpose of God. That's simple. That's not hard. Just that's, that's, that's what I want to happen. <laughs> Let me... <laughs> Now I'll save that for later. Let me go ahead and get started. Uh, 
For those of you who've been involved in our ministry, you know we've been involved in lots of different little projects over the course of the years. Today I'm not going to talk about us being a forerunner ministry. That's going to come later, but we've done a lot of things on the edge. And we've been involved with groups that were specific and, and they, they had a, a, a focus to do a particular thing in terms of ministry or in the spirit or in society or in the church world. And, and we've cooperated in, in a lot of those efforts. One of the things that we've been involved in as a ministry is that down through the years, we have been affiliated with various prayer ministries, various prayer networks and and, and each prayer network that we've been associated with has specific thrust and focus. Okay? The Georgia Apostolic Prayer Network, we were involved and still have uh, close friends uh, in that network that we've worked with on various projects down through the years. We've been to their uh, meetings and conferences and assemblies. Uh, it's a good group of people. We've also been connected with the Homeland Apostolic Network. Um, the folks there are headed by Cindy Jacobs. The Georgia Apostolic Prayer Network is connected with Dutch Sheets and Chuck Pierce, but so are Dutch Sheets and Chuck Pierce connected with the Homeland Apostolic Prayer Network. And so we have had some experience with different prayer networks, but yet they, they sort of funnel to a particular place. One of the initiatives that we were involved in uh, I guess the first initiative was a repentance initiative. We went over to Alabama to a conference, and, and there it was, they were holding a solemn assembly, and the purpose of that assembly was to repent before God for the, uh, the sins of our nation and the sins of the church, and it was a very specific thing that we were to do, and it was very productive. And there were people from all over the nation there, you know, repenting for things like uh, participation in slavery or uh, abortion and then things specific to the church about religious spirits and then then personal things that that we just needed to repent for and come clean before God repentance is a good thing you know repentance is a very good thing it, it has its place and its purpose in eternity and here on this earth and so repentance is a good thing and um and so we've been involved in all these other things now however there's been this recurring theme as we've been involved in, in some of these networks, and, and that is this, is that in a lot of cases, stuff just been rehashed over and over and over. Janie and I had a conversation. Yesterday we were going to be involved in the uh, glory procession in uh, Brunswick where uh, this couple was coming down from the New England states. And I'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. But as Janie and I were going for this, this prayer initiative, Daylene was down there. She drove her car. Janie and I, we sort of complained a little bit. And one of our pet peeves in the last couple, three years, uh, and, and sort of a sore spot with us, was that in, in some cases, um, prayer initiatives in terms of repentance kind of seems to cover the same ground over and over and over again. And Janie and I have been saying that at some point, people have got to get over that and go on with what needs to be going on with. Okay? 
And, and, and probably if someone in the car or if someone in the public would have heard the things we were saying and thinking, they would think we were anti-repentance, which is not the case. But I'm going to show with you in the scripture at some point, we've got to move on. And so yesterday as we were traveling down to St. Simon's to, um, and Jekyll Island and the Brunswick area to pray, we were voicing some of that. And so when we got there, we didn't really know exactly what the thrust was going to be, and I'll share some of that with you in just a little bit. And as the day went on, I was pleasantly surprised. I was very pleasantly surprised. Now, I'm going to read a scripture this morning. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to be from Amos chapter 5. And you're going to think, oh my goodness, what he's just read just disintegrates everything he just said. Well, no, not quite. There's something here I want you to see. Amos chapter 5, um, I'm going to read the King James Version here. Amos chapter 5, verse 1. Hear this word which I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel is fallen. She shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. For thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave an hundred, and that which went forth by a hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, seek me, and you shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord. Here it comes again. Seek the Lord, and you shall live. Let he break out, let, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Now, the thing I want to look at here is the phrase in chapter, I mean, in verse 4 and 6 that says, Seek the Lord and you shall live. Now, there's a connection I've got to make between two or three different thoughts. And here it is. God is speaking here concerning how he is going to come against Israel, in particular when she goes out to battle, how he is going to use the armies and war as a weapon to exact judgment on Israel for her sins. Okay? And it's not the purpose or the heart of God. Listen to me. It is not the purpose or the heart of, of God. You know, when, when you view the Scripture as a whole, in particular when you overlay everything in the Word by the new covenant and what Jesus did, it is not the heart of God to exact vengeance and wrath on a nation or a country to kill them. 
because the purpose and nature of the cross is to give life. Now, in this passage, God is speaking the reality of what is going to happen because of unrepentant sin. And what he is saying to a, a particular segment of Israel is to, all this could be avoided for you. If you seek me, then you shall live. And so I want you to know this morning that it is, it is the theme of this place in Scripture that God says, seek me. What, did, what does it say in the New Testament? Ask, seek, and knock. It means to intercede. It means to pray. Seek me. And through the process of seeking me, you will find life. Jesus said, and life more abundantly. We're going to start there, but I'm going to back up for just a minute and do this. I'll ask you a question. What is it, well, what is it that you need to be rescued from? Is there something in your life that you need deliverance from? Is there, is there a situation, a circumstance, is there a problem, is there this thing out there that that you need to be rescued from. I'm going to go at this morning's message from this standpoint. It is not, listen to me, it is not the purpose of God to rescue you from anything. How many times do we portray the gospel of Jesus as being the safety net from hell? To rescue people. We've heard it presented that way. The evangelists will present it that way sometimes. You know, you know trust Jesus or you're going to hell. Well, the plain and simple fact is, unless we do trust Him, there is no other option. But I think we've done God a great disservice by reducing the gospel of good news to something that's a rescue net from something rather than something that will deliver us into something much larger that will display the grand purpose of God in salvation. You see, it's not the purpose of God to rescue you. It is His purpose to bring victory to you. There is a very narrow, limited band. If we pursue the theme of rescue and let that be the ultimate end of everything. But however, if we pursue the grand purpose of God, which is to give us victory, you see, what happened to Jesus? He died on a cross, didn't he? And he was buried. And three days later, according to what we believe, is that Jesus Christ came out of the grave. A what? A rescuer? The scripture says he came out of the grave a victor. And the scripture teaches that we follow the same pattern in life. Where it's God's purpose for us to follow the same pattern in life 
that Jesus followed in his life. And in his death. And in his resurrection. And so what I want to say up front today is, is we need to get rid of the mentality that God is a rescuer, but rather he is someone who fosters, promotes, and births victory in our lives. Now, if you can grab a hold of that, this is, this is one of those big leap things. If you, can, if you can grab a hold of this thing right here, then you're in pretty good shape for what's going to come in just a little while. But God has not saved you from everything he has saved you from. And you are not in your current predicament. If you are in a predicament, you are not there to be rescued. You are there to attain the victory that God wants you to have. And if you can approach everything in life that way, you'll lose this poor mentality of little old poor me. And you'll be able to rise up against your circumstance and your situation. And you can embrace the grand purpose of God in your life. That of victory, not of some person just being rescued and having the comfort of or the restraint of a rescue net. You see, the rescue net will get you out of the, out of the water, but it's still going to constrain you. You've still got a net around you. You're constricted. So remember, God's not in the rescue business. He's in the victory business. Now, are we okay with that? All right. You see, it's, it's, the, it's, it, it's, it's, it's why you believe the way you believe. And if Scripture is true, then it's true. And if it's not, then it's a liar. And you've got to make a decision at some point as to whether you're going to believe it and believe all of it or whether you're just going to believe some of it. Now, making the transition. Yesterday, as we were driving down there, we were wondering how many people were going to come. Janie said there'd be about 20 there. And, and little old me, I said, no, there won't be 20 people there Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. You've got to be kidding me. I have five or six. We were both wrong. There was two. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there was over 30 people. And the, the ministry, Lamplighter's ministry, headed by this couple, had been prophesied over for years that they were going to have a Paul Revere type ministry. Been prophesied that they were going to take the torch and they were going to bring revival or bring a realization of revival. And so they went through, as they described their ministry and how it came to be, and they went through a, a, a lot of years of, of people prophesying over them and them being involved in prayer networks and, and being able to discover what they believed that the call on their life was and how now it came to the point where Two or three things happened last year. And I'm just giving you a quick overview. You'll be able to hear the whole thing. I'm going to post online when it's available from Remnant last night. Um, I want, if, if, if all possible, 
I want you to go and listen to what the man had to say last night. But beginning last year, how many of y'all know Bob Jones? Okay. Now this couple had received prophetic words from Cindy Jacobs and other people about their ministry and what they were going to do. And he went back 13 or 14 years and told about a couple that they had that were friends that, you remember when Lakeland and Pensacola was going on in Toronto, how revival just seemed imminent and it was just right there. I mean, it was right here and people were praying for revival and anticipating it so much. Well, he said, he told a story about a friend of theirs, this couple. And this couple, God had given them a vision of what premature revival would do. On the East Coast, it would bring destruction and division and probably war. And this couple were convinced that then was not the time for revival. And you know what they did? They, wanted, well, they went on a, a prayer tour in the 13 original colonies, and they were preaching that revival didn't need to come because the people weren't ready. They, they, they prayed against it. <gasps> Heresy! Praying against revival. Heresy! Well, as time went on, this, saint, this, this couple that were present yesterday, whose friends prayed against revival, this couple began to get the prophetic words and, and the unction to go forth and proclaim that revival was at hand. And they ran it past their friends who 13 or 14 years ago went up and down the East Coast preaching against revival. And they weren't anti-revival. It was just the timing of it. How many of y'all know there's a timing to everything? And just because we want something good to happen does not mean wishing is going to make something good happen. And so they asked this couple who had preached against revival, said, we're feeling we need to go and announce revival. What do you think? The couple said, yes. Now is the time. And you're the people to do this. And so... That's what brought them to Brunswick yesterday. Georgia was one of the 13 original colonies. And this couple came yesterday. And they shared their heart and their lives. And we went to four strategic places on, in the Brunswick area. And, and, and the gentleman and his wife were in charge. And we were simply there for backup to encourage and support their ministry. Not to dictate or lead what was going on. And... They began to pray. You know what they did? I can't remember one time when they revisited a repentance well. And here's why they didn't. Repenting in order to get revival. Because last year, Bob Jones in the fall told Mike Bickle, and if you know who Mike Bickle is, Mike Bickle started the IHOP prayer movement, Bob Jones, who was a prophet with Morningstar, told Mike Bickle that he said, today a new move of God has started. See, God had promised Bob Jones that he would live long enough to see the beginning of it. Pardon? Yep, that's right. And, and Yep. Yep. And here's, here's the conversation that went. Bob said revival has started. And he said, God wants you to proclaim a 21-day solemn assembly. And as a sign to you that re this move of God has started, 
He said, there's going to be a comet coming to the earth's atmosphere on the day that you start. He said, God's going to let you choose today. You choose today. I'm not going to tell you when to do it. You ask God when you need to do this 21-day thing. And, and, and you need to know the history here. Um, Mike Bickles had a lot of experience with Bob Jones. And if you read the history, you'll know why Mike Bickle took it seriously. So Mike Bickle said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going we're to start on Thanksgiving Day of 2013, which also was the first day of Hanukkah, which has not happened. Uh, Thanksgiving and Hanukkah, first day of Hanukkah never happened uh, in 600 years. Okay? And so Mike Bickle declares a solemn assembly. It starts... On Thanksgiving Day, which was the first day of Hanukkah in 2013, it extended for 21 days. Guess what happened on the very first day of the, of the assembly? From out of nowhere, undetected and unexpected, no meteorologists or scientists saw it coming, a comet whisked through the Earth's atmosphere. And then Bob died on Valentine's Day. And so this couple comes, and instead of redigging a well of repentance, what they came to do, and they were so fully confident of God, is they stood on the, on the ground of Georgia, and they began to decree and to declare the things God wanted done, including the release of angels. Remember, those of you who were at the... Um, um, conference with John Paul Jackson and Aaron Evans down on St. Simon's Island back in, was it 2001? Do you remember what John Paul Jackson said? He stood on the stage. I remember this just like it was yesterday. He stood on the stage and he said, he said, he said there are angels stationed all around this coastal area who have been here and who have been here and who have been here. And they're standing idle. They are waiting for someone to release them to do the purpose for which God has called them to do. But they're standing around doing nothing. I remember that like it was yesterday. And I don't remember in that conference anybody re releasing the angels which is agreeing with the purpose and the plan of God like she said up there a while ago. It was just so neat when you said that because it just worked right into this message. How about that? You can't make that happen. And so they decreed and they declared not once going back and digging up something that needed to be dug up that had already been dealt with. They went forward. And stuff shifted and stuff moved. And stuff came into agreement and alignment. <laughs> and they're going to go to the other 12 colonies, conclude their tour on June the 22nd, where they're going to have a re-signing of the Declaration of Independence, a symbolic act. Because this is a reconstitution tour. Now, you may think, boy, that's something hokey. All that stuff is hokey. No, it's not hokey. I mean, we can, we can think it's hokey, but it ain't hokey. And I sat there last night in, at the service at Remnant. I was so tired. Dear Gussie, I was give out. 
You know how tired you are when you come back on vacation? Well, I was tired. And then I have to get up at like 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and go and involve yourself in the coastal heat all day long. And then to know I was coming in today where we were going to have worship service and a pool party, you know, I was just, I was just whipped. I was tired. I, I couldn't focus. I didn't even know what day it was. And then it dawned on me. I looked around at about 100 people in the room, and I got to thinking, wait a minute, just a minute, wait a minute. This is a Georgia thing. These people have come and opened up the gates of Georgia, and they've declared and they've decreed, and it was just a really good day. They were legislating in the heavenlies like we've been teaching on for the last several weeks. They were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were acting from a position of authority that they had because they believed the Word of God and they knew their identity in Jesus. They knew where Jesus was and they knew where they were seated. They were operating from a throne of authority. And I got to thinking, I said, wait a minute, this, this little bunch of people, we're, we're doing this for the state of Georgia and there's, there's like 100 people in this room and we are doing stuff for the whole state. Where's Atlanta? Or where's Athens? You know, how many million people are in Georgia and there's 100 people here and we're doing something and we're representing the whole state and, and this is going to happen because we're here. This is a little bunch of people. I want to submit something to you today, something for you to think about. If somebody is going to forerun, if somebody's going to do something, if somebody's going to lead the pack, if somebody's going to take the initiative, if you read the Bible really carefully, there's a theme that begins to develop. And the theme is this. If you look back at, uh, at Amos, all of Israel was not going to seek the Lord and live. Only a few were going to seek the Lord and live. And that word live means to be prosperous. It means to be healthy. It means to be victorious. It means to have things. It means to get things. God is saying, you seek me and this stuff is going to happen. This is what's embraced in the word live. It's living abundantly. Everything that you need, everything that, that it, you feel like is, needs for supply in your life, it's going to be provided. Seek me and it'll be provided. Seek me and you'll live. And if you begin to notice a theme in the Bible is that it's this. Anytime that Israel turned and went back to God, for the most part, it started with maybe one person or two or a small little group. If you notice today, things that happen in churches and ministries, in denominations, starts with just a few. Do you know how many Methodists there were when John and Charles Wesley stepped out on the shores of Georgia? Do you know how many Methodists there were in Georgia? None. Not one. Not one. But from two little people, who sought the Lord and lived, something was birthed. Something was given life to. 
It is God's purpose in your life to give life to your life. Seek Him and live. God wants to give you life to your life. And it's not just to rescue you. It's so that you'll be victorious. You know what God is looking for? Now we talk about militant faith. We need a, we need a militant faith. Or, or, that's a radical faith. That's what we ask. You know what we believe? You know what I've, you know what I've discovered in the last few days, in the last few months? God is looking, and we use this word, radical faith. And I understand that. But there's another term that I believe the Lord gave me that's even more sweeping than that. And that is this. He wants us to have a militant belief. Not radical, militant. Radical can mean a lot of things. It can mean bouncing off the walls. It can mean flaky. It can mean weird. But when you begin to use the word militant and you begin to act out militant in your life, a militant belief, you know what that is? That covers everything from a standpoint of legitimate authority. Radical faith, I think, is a term we need to abandon. We need to adopt militant belief. These people who came yesterday taught me something. They never, they never turned around and looked back. They operated from a position of militancy that was harnessed and fueled by their maker himself. Not operating on their own authority and their own whim. Not being crazy. Being specific. Militant. Militant belief. See, we've already discovered that belief is the trigger that pulls and releases our faith. And so when our belief is militant or targeted... And it's used by God and it's operated, it, it finds its source in authority. When militant belief flows out, then you're, you're off the cusp then. Is this making any sense? All right, let's go to, uh, here it is right here. Zechariah 3, 1 through 7. You don't have to turn there, but this is where it is. Now, this is about Joshua standing before the Lord and Satan bringing accusation against him. Watch this. This is so cool. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this, and he pointed to Joshua, is not this, listen to what he says, is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? 
Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. Now Joshua was, yep. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. So see, everything about Joshua now was changing. He looked one way, and he was one way, standing before the Lord and Satan when Satan was ready to bring accusation. But the Lord said, I'm changing things. And so he changed things about Joshua, especially the way he appeared, the way he was dressed. And I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If you'll walk in my ways, and if you'll keep my charge, then you shall judge my house, and shall also keep my courts, and I will give you places to walk among those that stand by. All right. The imagery that God used, he said, Is this not a firebrand plucked out of the fire? Now, we, 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 we've been taught for years or at least I have, going back to the rescue gospel, he's just like a firebrand that's been taken out of fire. In other words, he's been taken from the fire. He's been, been saved from the fire. You know, let Jesus save you from the fire. And everything will be lovely, hunky-dory, dandy. Is this not something been rescued from the fire? You know what's something that didn't occur to me until this week? Probably yesterday as I was thinking on some stuff. The thing that didn't occur to me is this. What in the world is a, a firebrand is a branding iron. What in the world is a branding iron used for? It's used to mark stuff, to brand stuff with ownership. It's used to leave a permanent, indelible Mark, which basically is a scar that doesn't go away on an animal. How many of y'all seen a, a Texas cattle drive? Yeah, and they, they, the cowboys sit around, they round up the cows, and they'll take and build a fire, and they'll put their brands in the fire, and they'll drink coffee and do all kinds of stuff around the fire, and when that fire brand gets red hot, what do they do with it? Pull it out of the fire, and they'll put it on the animal to mark it for ownership. Satan was here wanting to make accusation. And God does something to Joshua, and then he says this. And I said, let them set a fair mitre on his head. So they did that, yada, yada, yada. And the angel of the Lord, yada, yada, yada. Thus says the Lord of hosts in verse 7, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my charge, then you shall judge my house, and you shall keep my courts. Then I'll give you places to walk among those who stand by. You know what God was telling Joshua? Joshua, I've taken you like a firebrand, a branding iron out of the fire, and I'm going to use you to mark the world that you live in. You are where you are today in your particular situation that causes you distress and that you want to be rescued from, you are in that particular situation being lit up. 
When you put metal in a fire, metal is an ugly looking thing. It's got it's just this nasty color to it, just dull. But when you put metal in a fire, it begins to get hot. It takes on the temperature of the fire. It begins to glow, doesn't it? That's right. And it gives off not only heat, but it gives off light. And you are where you are today doing the things that you do, enduring the fire that you are set in, not to be rescued from it, but you are in that fire so that when God takes you out, you can mark the world in which you live and every living thing that you come in contact with will forever be branded because it had contact with you. And so you as one person affect the entire environment that you come in contact with. And if God is using you in, a, in, in your own way, but if he's using you as a group to affect change, then here we go. Here we go. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. <laughs> How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In other words, what he's saying, all that stuff that's behind you, walking in the dispensation of grace, all that stuff that's been laid to rest by the blood of Christ, don't pick it up again. Walk forward. Make your decrees. Make your declarations from a militant standpoint and a militant place of authority to believe what God has said to believe. And when you do that, if, if, you're, not, if you're not tied up and if you're not distracted and see the enemy will do that, Oh, you know, you're just so-and-so-and-so-and-so and, -so -and, -so and you're no good for this and you can't never amount to anything. He wants you to turn around and go back to an altar where you repent from dead works and you feel like your sins has got to be dealt with again. And all the time, the only thing God wants is to take your red-hot self and stick it to the world that you're involved with to change it. Brings a whole new meaning to stick it to the world, don't it? Yes, it does. And the place that we have to get as individuals, but this, this is a ministry message. The place that we have to get to as a ministry is the same exact place that that couple who came down from New England came down yesterday. And we have got to not look back. You know what? They were two people. Nobody in the state of Georgia knew them. But I'm telling you, when, they're, when they leave this state and go into South Carolina, somebody knows about them. And I'll tell you one thing. Hell, its gates, its council, its minions are grieving this morning because somebody believed in a militant way what God had said. And they believed the prophetic word. They never let go of it. They, 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 they held on to it through thick and through thin when all looked like it was going to be lost. They held on to their militant belief and it manifested yesterday. And I believe with every fiber of my body that Bob Jones was correct when he said a new move of God had started. 
And I believe the sign in the sky. You know, we talk about signs and wonders. Comet's a sign in the sky. I believe that sign in the sky was a wonder to Mike Bickle. But he had the obedience to go forward and do what the prophet said. And yesterday, when there was declarations made over this state, that revival was not coming, but it was here. I look back over our life as a ministry. And in the, la in the last few months, you know, God made a change here back in February. We've been making a lot of changes. But he made a big change back the first of the year sometime in January when he shifted our focus to begin talking about faith and belief. I think it was for this day. Now, it's, it all comes in sequence, but it was for this day and for this moment. I believe revival is here now. We have said from time to time over the last two years that we were in revival. Now look around you. If what I have just said is true, look around you for just a minute. Does what you see fit your stereotypical definition of what revival is? Look around you. Go ahead, take a view. No. The answer is no, it's not typical. It's not what we would expect. It's not what we've been trained to see. And I'm telling you now, that a lot of times through our experiences in life, the enemy trains us to see. But we got to forget how he has trained us to see and built our expectations in a particular way. We got to get away from that. And we got to really believe the gospel when it says our sins are forgiven and dealt with. And we have really got to believe it when it says we rule and reign with Christ. And we really got to believe it when it says we can rule from a place of authority. And what we say carries militant weight. And you know what we're doing here? No, you weren't on the coast yesterday. But bless God, you were represented there. I was not in Texas. But bless God, I was represented there. I'm not going to be in Haiti Friday, but bless God, I'm going to be represented there. I'm not going to be in Brazil in August, but bless God, I'm going to be re represented there. I'm not going to be in Albuquerque. Y'all still going? Okay. Bless God. I'm not going to be in Albuquerque, but I'm going to be represented there. But I am going to be in Haiti in January. And I can start decreeing and declaring now the other places I'm going. To be. Let me just do some stuff for you. Okay? Yeah, we got a few minutes. Y'all not in a hurry. I'm going to cook for you anyway if you want to come to the house. Bless God, I'm not going to be in any other than places than Haiti what I, what I said. But bless God, I'm going to be back in the Bahamas one day with ministry. I'm going to be all over the Caribbean because I like it and because God said I could have it and it's been prophesied over me. I'd, it wouldn't be just a beach ministry.
Okay? I don't care anything about going back to Africa. Been there. I really don't want to go to Israel again. Been there. But I am totally open that when the Holy Ghost speaks and puts somewhere on my heart, I'm fully believed, I fully believe and I'm persuaded that I will be there before I pass. And I'll tell you something else I believe. I've waited a long, long time for certain things to happen. But I believe my end days will be better than my young days. I believe more will be accomplished between now and my death than I've ever accomplished between my birth and now. I believe it's going to be sweet rather than bitter. I believe it's going to be gold rather than dross. I believe it's going to be peaceful rather than grievous. I believe it's going to be joyful rather than sad. I believe it's going to be full of health. I believe it's going to be full of provision. I believe I, I can make you a list as long as from here to Dairy Queen. What about you? And you know, I've been through, I've been, me and my family's been through some rough stuff. Now, we've been spared some things that I am eternally grateful for, but we've been through some rough stuff. But I believe the provision of God is going to be overflowing in our life and abundant to an extreme that we can supply the needs financially and physical for lots of people before we leave this earth. I believe my posterity is going to do things and accomplish exploits in the earth. That's what I believe. I have declared it and it is so. I don't believe there's one single sin I have to look back and grieve over because the blood of Jesus has taken my mourning and turned it into dancing. I will never feel insufficient. I will never feel overlooked. I will never feel neglected by looking over any group of people that's not as big as I think it ought to be. Because I have learned that God, when He begins to mobilize troops, He don't mobilize thousands and thousands and thousands at a time. He starts with just a handful of people. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's the reason why this place is not overflowing now. Because He is developing in you a militant belief. And a lot of people can't handle what I'm saying. Because if you want to thin a crowd of 200, you start talking about something like this. That you can stand on the shores of the easternmost point in the continental United States and you can declare an end to sex slave trafficking and you can declare provision and, and bounty to flow in under the gates of, uh, under the uh, Sydney Lanier Bridge and you can, you can decree an end to, to poverty. You can do those things because it's the heart of God and He put it on your heart and He's put you in a place of liberty to do it. See, that scares a lot of people. Oh my goodness, you're getting in ter territory now. Let me ask you something. What did the prophets of old do in the Bible? Do you think for a minute John the Baptist was afraid to declare what he declared? Do you think for a minute Jesus was afraid to declare what he declared? Is it that if Jesus is real and he said what he said, how hard is it just to lay hands on a blind person and say, sight come forth? How difficult is that for God? Or to use a wooden stick and an east wind to 
absolutely and totally not only part the Red Sea, but turn a bog hole into a highway. How difficult is that for God? It's not hard at all. What is faith? It is the confident assurance. This is Hebrews 11. You know this by heart. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. See, that's where we're going as a body of people. Matter of fact, I'll just declare that's where we are now. And what we are doing and what we are believing, what we are preaching, the music that flows out of this place, God is preparing you. He is equipping you to do His work of militant belief. And what we do in here, and we don't even think about it this way, but what we do in here, we're doing on the behalf of a larger body of people. That's what happened in Brunswick yesterday. About 100 folks did something on behalf of a state that's 4 or 5 million people. Now, will all of them know what we don't know? But in the Spirit, there were people who had forerunner ministries. There were people in the Spirit who were doing what God said do and just simply believing Him and taking Him at His word. And the other 5 million are going to benefit from what the 100 did. Okay? That's the way this thing works. That's the way revival came. The Welch Revival is a prime example. Two men and a teenage boy prayed for over three years in a barn in Wales, England every morning before daylight. Two or three hours. They had the militant belief that God was going to send revival. And they had been telling their friends, everybody in this small community knowed about these men with militant faith. There were also two sisters in town who had been praying for revival. People in town knew about it. But they wouldn't get up and go and pray with the three in the barn or the two in the house. But they knew about it. One morning, the teenage boy, it is said, it is recorded and documented that he was asking God for revival. And he was standing in the middle of this barn. And here's what he said. He said, God, it is your honor that's at stake, not mine. Would you all like to guess what happened? They said inside the confines of that barn, a wind began to blow. No open doors. Shut up tighter than a tick. A wind began to blow. They said the earth shook. The young teenager boy fell out in the Holy Ghost. He was on a bed of hay. He went to sleep. In Jesus. <laughs> in a fun way. Then... At that moment in town, before daylight, lights began to come on in the houses. Moms and dads and children began to venture out into the street. And as one man, as one man, they walked to the church 
not knowing anything other than the awesome presence of God was there and they were compelled to go. They went to the church where they began to sing and give testimony. The same spirit fell upon the jailhouse. The keeper of the jailhouse unlocked the gates. It's a little town. Wasn't, there were no mass murders or sociopaths in there. You know, probably a guy convicted of theft or he's been on the sidewalk and shouldn't have anyway. You know, the prisoners wanted to be a part of it too. Thus began the revival of Wales. Why? Because somebody had a militant belief that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. They received his word. What have you received the word for? Are you convinced that what God said is true? Have you? Or have you doubted? Part of this all, part of it, not all, part of this, all of it, part of the all is whether or not, or is, is how you view where you are. Are you going to continue to go through life crying out to God to rescue you from what you're in? Or are you going to start today posturing your spirit not as a, a victim but as someone who walks in victory and who has the courage to look at today and all the situations around you and decree and declare victory. What is it? Tell you where I'm arrived at. I'm arriving on the shore of militant belief. Revival has started, people. It is here now. And guess what? It's, you've heard this before, and it's true. It starts in you. I used to wonder how God dispensed revival. I wondered how God, you know, what, did, did God grant revival, or was it our, our prayers that, 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 that attracted it? I don't know. I still don't know the answer to that. I know there are things that accompany revival that I can't explain. But I will say this, what was said yesterday, the old methods no longer work. And if we try to use old methods, we're going to be disappointed because we're in something different now than we've ever been in before. So we've got to change methods. And I don't think we need to expect what has been presented to us in the past as being revival. You know what revival? God wants you to change. He literally wants you to change the world in which you live. He wants you to be a forerunner. He wants the fire that you've been in to mark the world around you. 
and I don't know. You know, I'm going to be frank with you, okay? Going back to a little hundred people yesterday were the leaders and the impetus that brings an awareness to the revival that is really present but that everybody hasn't felt yet. We've got to get past our feelings and we've got to get past what we think and we've got to get down to what we believe. I believe this group right here, doing what we do, you know, regardless of everything else, doing what we do, we're doing it on behalf, we're doing it unto God, but we're doing what we do, we do on behalf of other people. I believe, I believe our city has been affected by what we do. I know it is because we're going to talk about forerunner ministry here probably in a week or two. And you're going to learn some stuff. Some of you need to hear some about the forerunner ministry. But we're going to do stuff on behalf of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that will affect and that does affect the world around us. And I can just tell you now, the one thing, the one thing that has to die in this house is the little mentality and the small mentality. There is nothing about God that relates to something small. Not one blessed thing. And I'll tell you now, you do the right stuff and you say the right things, there'll be a big crowd. And I'm not, I'm not knocking. Please don't misunderstand me. Not knocking the big crowd. But everybody's purpose in ministry is not the same. Okay? It's not the same. We need to understand what our purpose and our function is and then go for it. Is everybody okay with that? But this thing about small and little being a stumbling block is, is it's got to die. It's got to die. And it's got to die now. We need to become so occupied or so preoccupied with what God wants that we don't see anything else. We're walking into an age that we've never walked in for. That in the history of this country, no one's ever walked into it. It's going to be exciting times. Don't look back. Get a full grip on what the gospel is and what it's intended to be. Militant belief. Militant belief. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. The dead works. Going forward to serve the living God. Father in Jesus name. We bless you. We thank you for this day. 
we thank you, Lord, that you have already set in motion revival in this country and that it's probably not going to look like we think it's going to look like. But it will accomplish your purpose because the darkness is present. But it can't hold its ground when the light comes. So God, as we learn and as we journey forward, give us the wisdom and the discernment to know where to go and how to step. Show us the things to believe for and to declare and to decree. And Lord, keep us from sin and error. We want to be so square in the middle of what you're doing, Lord. Just so square in the middle of it. And Lord, we just do this. We, just, we, we do declare that you bring and you send the folks that are supposed to be here. And that we receive them and they receive us. Do great and glorious things, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen.